All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Chop Town Jump Around podcast. We know it's been a while. Uh, things have been busy around here, so we're finally back, and we'll be back constantly, probably new episodes every Sunday now. So um, a lot of big news to talk about this week. So we'll start with the Panthers. Probably the biggest news of all that happened was us firing Marty Herney. I know we Thank God. The, we talked about this in one of the earlier podcasts. Um how we thought that they should probably fire him eventually. And, you know, it happened surprisingly. Um, it came as a big surprise, you know, in the middle of the season. But we probably just wanted to get a head start on interviewing candidates, especially since four other teams have already got good head starts. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but uh, what do you think about that? I know you're probably pretty happy. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was really caught off guard just to see it. So, you know, late in the season, I figured if they'd gone this far, um, they're probably just going to hold on to him at least through years in. But I'm glad of the way things went. I think it was kind of just a move by Tepper to show that, you know, he's tired of the stagnancy and these losing seasons, especially with such, you know, a good young core that has the talent to, you know, make a playoff run and potentially win some Super Bowls down the road. So I think really what he's doing right now is just – trying to show fans that he's he's in that mode where he's he's ready to win games um, and ready to capitalize on what he's got on the roster right now. Um, it's been pretty evident all year that just, you know, we're not really doing what we need to do as a football team. Um, and, I mean, like you say, just kind of hopping on that train now and trying to get things taken care of before the offseason um, really picks up and they're getting into training camp and stuff so that players can get acquainted and kind of familiar with a new GM um, and, you know, just really, really begin to um, take that next step forward to becoming a good good football program. Yeah, um, something that David Tepper said is just sometimes you need to restart or refresh. Um, I mean, Marty Kearney's been here, been our GM for 17 years. I mean, I know in between the two stints, we had David Gettleman, but, yeah, um, you know, 17 years and, you know, never had back-to-back winning seasons, you know, early in his when earlier in his first in his GM, you know, he was handing out big contracts to players who were getting older um, that probably shouldn't have got these big contracts. So um, I think it was just time, you know, to get rid of them. Um, the way football's going, you know, football's moving towards more of an analytical standpoint yeah. um, instead of that old, old style school of, you know, being a general manager. So I think that's what Tepper's looking for in his next GM. And also, you know, Matt Rule has a, big, big impact on this organization now. Yeah. You don't pay a coach seven or eight million dollars a year over seven years for him to not have a big say. So I think he's looking for yeah. someone that the GM or that Matt Rule will work well with. I know that he uh, will probably more than likely be, have pretty big input on who is hired next. But, you know, it was time. We, uh, we just aren't winning. We haven't won the past three seasons, you know. I think we've made some pretty bad decisions um, in terms of the roster and the turnover. So hopefully, you know, this is a start in the right direction. Um, it should have happened a couple of years ago when we had Brandon Bean as yeah. GM because, I mean, you see what he's done in Buffalo, but hopefully we'll be able to find somebody that resembles him and resembles, you know, someone that can come in and create and continue to build a winning culture, which I yeah. think is something that Matt Rule is already doing. Uh, yeah, I think he's definitely on that track right now. And I think one, you know, another big part of it is Marty Herney's been in the league 
so long. And I think a lot of the stuff that he kind of founded his ideals on or just becoming to the point of not even really being um, utilized anymore. And I mean, Matt Rule, he's a young coach. You got Joe Brady on the offense. He's, he's young. Um, and they're really working in a lot of, you know, college schemes and trying to, trying to utilize these young guys in schemes that they're used to playing in um, and that they've, you know, grown accustomed to. So I think another thing might just be trying to find a guy that's kind of on that same page. I feel like they were probably, um, you know, honestly in completely different books in that term. Um, in that sense, you know, just really not seeing eye to eye in terms of what this team is um, really going to be able to accomplish and how they're going to be able to accomplish it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we keep saying the future is bright in Carolina, but I think now that Marty Herney's gone, um, that's that's the biggest step we could have possibly made this year um, towards a towards a stronger future. So I'm I'm excited. I'm glad to see him gone. I mean, I'm sure he'll find a position somewhere somehow sometime. I don't. I mean, I don't really care. Uh, he's done so much <laughs> negative for us that it doesn't really bother me what happens to him. But um, I, I mean, I'm just excited to see where we go from here and. Hopefully this is this is what we need to start winning games. Yeah, and uh, I think one of the one of the big reasons, honestly, that this sort of happened was Teddy Bridgewater's contract. Yeah. Um, you know, three years, sixty three million dollars for, you know, a guy that that can be a starting quarterback, but not for that much money. Yeah. Um, and sort of David Tepper sort of talked about that you know he said you know unless you have that guy for sure that gets you to the playoffs and the Super Bowls then if you don't have that guy you have to keep reevaluating that position yeah the Super Bowls are the only thing that matters and you know this year we're had the ball with an eight games with a chance to go down the field and tie or win the game we've lost all eight and a couple of those are Teddy turnovers or just not managing the clock right um you know and and that's expected especially in the first year of a head coach who's you know trying to figure things out, trying to figure his personnel out, trying to figure how to really coach at the NFL level because that is so much different than the college level. Yeah. But, um, you know, I I don't know if it would be true, but, I mean, I feel like if we have Cam Newton, we at least win half of those games. Well, I mean, we win several. And, I mean, you look around the league at other quarterbacks that are starting the position right now. And, the, I mean, the, I'd say there's at least a group of eight, nine, ten guys that I'd, I'd take over Teddy to drive us down the field and at least win – 50% of those games. Uh, and I think, I mean, that's, that's the biggest issue I see, you know, with Teddy's contract and with the offense right now is we put ourselves in positions, you know, to where we could win. And Teddy's just not really that guy. He's more of a game manager um, that keeps games close, but he doesn't have that clutch factor that Cam did for so long um, that, you know, you could, you could look up at the clock and see two minutes left with us down by, you know, seven points and say, you know, we're still in this game. I'm not really worried about it until it gets down to 30 seconds and we're still in, you know, our territory. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I don't mind Teddy being there next year. Um, you know, if it comes down to the draft, you know, this year and we pick a quarterback, yeah. um, which a lot of mock drafts have us projected to do. I've seen a couple have us projected to take Justin Fields, a couple have yeah. us projected to take Zach Taylor. Um, I don't mind Teddy being there because that would be good for the quarterback to, you know, sit under him and learn for yeah. half a year or a year during the season, you know, and if, if it gets to the eighth game of the season and you're two and six or three and five, you know, 
you throw your rookie quarterback in there and say, hey, you've been sitting under the sky for eight games now. You go out there and show us what you can do. Um, So I think think that contract was sort of the end, probably what pushed it over the edge. I mean, I know the draft probably last year too, you know, trading up, trading up pick and trading up to get Greg Little. He's barely played. Um, Spending a third-round pick on Rashawn Gaudin or spending a third-round pick on Will Greer. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, you know, I mean, those are just moves you can't make if you really – I mean, you really want to see your your program win games. And to an extent, I think – I mean, the Teddy contract, even if he – you know, if we do go franchise quarterback route next year or even the year after, you know, it'll be helpful to have Teddy, you know, in that backup slot if he need be, you know, in case of injury or something like that. Um, but I think it's been pretty evident, I mean, this year and, you know, the, the past few years that – you know, once Cam had those couple injuries back-to-back, we I mean, our biggest weakness has always been quarterback. We can talk about the defense. We can talk about, you know, the offensive line. But we have not had a quarterback that we can consistently count on to win games for two, three years now. Um, and I don't know if necessarily this year's the year. I think I'd rather see us, you know, get all our other, um, you know, roster spots in order and set up, you know, an offense and a defense – that's pretty stacked and stout to win games and then bring in that quarterback. That's the final piece. But Teddy is, you know, in no way, shape or form, a guy that I can see being with the franchise longer than, you know, a couple more years. Um, Unless, you know, there's a crazy change of heart or talent in him. And I just do not see that happening. So we'll see. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's unfortunate. I want the guys to succeed, you know, he plays on my team. I'm going to cheer for him. But, you know, this year just hasn't hasn't gone the way that, you know, I mean, it's gone the way that we've expected. We're actually, I would say, a little better than I expected yeah. to be this year. Um, but, you know, you throw a Josh Allen or a Aaron Rodgers or someone. I mean, obviously, you're not going to find those people just sitting around anywhere. But I mean, I think you could even throw like a league in there. Yeah, you could even throw like a rookie Justin Herbert in there, and I think I'd be more confident in him filling that slot right now than I am in Teddy, just from what I've seen this year. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the quarterback position is probably one of our biggest needs right now. Um, you know, obviously we got to shore up the defense. You know, we need another linebacker. Um, yeah. We need another good, reliable corner and safety, um, and probably about one more piece on the defensive <laughs> line. But I mean, that's the thing. This year, the defense has steadily improved throughout yep. the year while it seems like the offense has sort of, sort of just stayed in its place. Yeah, they've just been stagnant. The whole and, season. You know, I mean, you just listed off all those positions that, that we're kind of missing missing a guy or two in. And the way I look, I mean, you can have as many picks as you want to in a draft, but every every person you draft is not going not gonna to be what you expect them to be. It's going to take a solid, you know, two, two draft classes to really – fill up the offense and the defense the way you want to. Um, so, I mean, honestly, if I'm if I'm speaking on it, I think this year the best thing for us to do is kind of, you know, cherry pick from, you know, positions that aren't quarterback and try and build up as best we can so that we have a team that's going to win games, you know, two years down the road um, with somebody who hopefully will be a franchise quarterback for, you know, a long time to come and will be in Carolina for at least a majority of their career. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this year we didn't expect to be good. So, you know, I'm not mad at being 4-10. and 10. I'm mad at the fact that we could be 
ten and four. Mad at the close losses. We could we could be twelve and two. Yeah. If you know everything goes right, but you know, I mean, that's football. It doesn't happen, you know. Yeah, um, and that is, I mean, that's the silver lining here. Is even even though our record doesn't really show it, um, we've been able to play with just about everybody, if not everybody that's been on our schedule this year. Um, so once we find that guy that's going to, you know, control the offense the way they need to and can take a game-winning drive down to the last minute, um, then this, I mean, this Carolina team is going to be good, if not one of the best teams in the league. And, you know, it's, it's just it's just a waiting game. It's a matter of time before we really see that all come together and all the pieces match up, so. Yeah, I like what Matt Rule said the other day. He said, you know, we may be 4-10 and 10 right now. He said, but I won't be a 4-10 and 10 coach for long. Yeah. You know, he's he's going to win games. And, you know, that's what we hired Matt Rule to do. We hired him to come back or come here and rebuild this team. Yeah. You know, no matter if it took a year, two years, three years, we came and we hired him to, you know, rebuild the team and then win for extended periods of time. Yeah. And I honestly, I mean, I've said it a couple of times. I don't know if I've said it to you, but I, I think Matt rule will be the best coach the Panthers have ever seen. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, just based on what I've seen this year, he's already proven to, you know, know how to coach the game. And it doesn't matter whether he's coaching in the NFL or college that he just knows the game of football. He knows what he's doing and he's a good leader of people. Yeah. And that's just what I've seen so far. So, I mean, and, once, once the team starts coming together, you know, we'll win games. There's definitely been just a, I think, significant culture change, um, at least from my viewpoint, too. Just hearing, you know, what the likes of him and Tepper have said throughout this whole, you know, shit show of a football season, their whole attitude, I think, for a lot of the time, you know, Jerry Richardson and Ron Rivera, when they were there, they always kind of took the blame, but they never really expressed disapproval. And I think it's been really, really obvious with Tepper and with Rule that they're not happy with the way things are going and they're tired tired of, you know, losing games, especially close games, and, um, you know, being looked at the way they are right now in the league. And I think that's probably the biggest change I've seen um, this year is just an overall, you know, disappointment in the way things have been going. I think if you put Ron in Matt Rule's shoes, he's he's going to kind of praise his team for the way they've been playing and blame himself, but not really, you know, be upset about it. Matt Rule, Matt Rule's mad, and he doesn't really, you know, show that emotion outwardly, but you can tell just kind of in the what he says and the way he says things that he's, he's tired of, um, you know, the losses that are going in the column right now, so – yeah, and that's, that's the thing when, you know, Ron Rivera has, was here, we heard the words every single week, missed opportunities, missed opportunities every week, you know. And oh. then um, ha- at halftime of the, the Packers game, you know, we had the ball on the one-yard line with the chance to score, and Teddy fumbles the ball on a QB sneak. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, we go into halftime, and he talks to a reporter, and he says, listen, I've told Teddy not to reach the ball over the goal line. Yep. I've told our players don't reach the ball over the goal line. He shouldn't have done it. Yep, And, I mean, there's been multiple times this season where, you know, he's sort of called out players yeah. and trying to make them hold themselves accountable for their mistakes. And I like that. I like what he's doing. I, I, do like, too. I like what he's building. Yep. Um, you know, and I think in two years, you know, this team will be a playoff contender and fringe Super Bowl contender. Yep. Especially with – I mean, we're starting six rookies on defense right now. And the Can't defense – For much more. 
the defense has honestly blown my expectations out of the water. I mean, first half of the season, I was probably a little more harsh on them than I should have been just because of how young they were and they weren't really producing. But, I mean, you look at, you know, I know he's not a rookie, but Brian Burns, I mean, by God, he should be in the Pro Bowl this year. That's a, that's a snub if I've ever seen one. Jeremy Chen, if he's not Defensive Player of the Year, then I'm going to go down to Uptown Charlotte and riot somewhere. I mean, there's there's so much potential on that, that side of the ball right now. And, it, I mean, you, you didn't even have these guys with a training camp this year. They didn't really see – live live ball until until the season kicked off um so I mean you give them a full off season with a full training camp and really really get them in the swing of things ahead of time and I think next year that I mean this defense is going to be twice as good as they are now if not better yeah and I know a lot of people have been sort of hard on Phil Snow but um I'm sure it's not easy coaching six rookies on a team that you just got hired by you yeah, know, and you didn't have any any time to sort of like sit down with them and actually run through practice at the beginning of the year. Um, but I mean, what I've seen from him is, I mean, even on Saturday, you know, I mean, we gave up three straight touchdowns yeah. in the beginning of the game and didn't allow another one the whole game. Yeah. So he came and he made adjustments and the defense started playing better. And that's what I like to see from a coach. I don't yeah. want to see someone that just sort of stands there and, you know, stay still and doesn't do anything and yeah you don't want you don't want him to just flop over and you know concede he he came up with schemes to you know battle back against Aaron Rodgers and that's that's one of the best offenses in the league if you ask me I mean what are they now 11 and 3 11 and 3 or 12 and 2 yeah I mean they have not been really they haven't been losing football games and they really haven't been played close that often all year so I mean if, if you have a coach that you know, can allow them to score, you know, three consecutive drives and then shut them down for the rest of the game. Phil Snow is going to be in Carolina for a long time too. Um, if I had to, if I had to put money on it, I would. So, uh, you know, we've got, we've got the core already kind of concreted in the ground. It's just a matter of finding those few missing links before, you know, the chain forms a circle and we're stepping, stepping into the Super Bowl hoisting the Lombardi, you know, in a few years. Hopefully. <laughs> it, it always sucks, you know, have – get ready for a Carolina football season and then yeah. this happens. happens I mean, no, no matter how good we are, we always have the highest expectations because we want them to be good. But Yeah, I mean, we're, we haven't made the playoffs since 2017, you know, and then that year we should have beat the Saints in the wild card. We had one of the better teams that we've – had but yeah you know it is what it is you know this year is expected to sort of be a two to five win season um right now you know i'm hoping for another Bengals win um and then <laughs> i draft pick baby by us and we get the number three pick you know yes, i mean you have a plethora of choices dude i mean you have i mean you gotta think jacksonville's definitely taking lawrence um and the Jets, I, I don't know what they're going to do now. If they're going to take Fields or, you know, take Jamar Chase. Yeah. Um, and if that happens, then you have Sewell from Oregon, left tackle, franchise left tackle right there. Um, or, I mean, you know, you have Micah Parsons, a linebacker from yeah. Penn State, you know, top linebacker in the draft. So, you can go either way. Um, well, yeah. No and really what's, Wrong choice. Yeah, what's exciting about – I mean, I'm not saying we should tank or did I care either way. I mean – 
where we're at on the draft board now, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of options. But with a pick as high as we've got right now, or even higher, I mean, regardless of who you go with there, you're looking at somebody who's going to you know probably be starting that position for a long time to come. So you know that's that's going to fill one of our empty spots um, for sure. It's just a matter of what they can do, you know, in the late rounds to kind of um, fill up the defense and the offense, you know, successfully and in a way that'll um, boost us a little bit. Yeah, I mean, those are the most – the first round, you know, it's important. But when you start getting into those fourth, those fifth, those sixth rounds, um, that's when you really find players that, you know, can help you. Yeah. Um, I mean, we did it. This year, I mean, Troy Pride starting this year, some of the year. Yeah. I mean, um, Jeremy Chan, we got him in the third round. Uh, let's see, Bravion Roy, he's played a good bit this year. So those those later rounds are, you know, the rounds where you start finding some gems. Um, I mean, and that, that's, that's really where you distinguish yourself from, you know, forming a good team versus a great team. Yeah. If you can, you know, form some depth – uh, a few different positions with guys out of those late rounds. That's huge down the stretch, especially, you know, through injuries and stuff like that. So, um, you know, with the new GM in place, we'll see what happens. I uh, can't really fathom anything being worse than what Herney would do, though. Yeah, you know, hopefully, you know, we get somebody young in there, you know, somebody that can stick around for a while. Yeah. I mean, doing, doing well. So, um, but, you know, besides – that's it, you know, really besides the Packers game. But, I mean, not really much talk about another loss, another yeah. session loss. So. Not really anything we want to talk about either. <laughs> yeah, it's – I mean, it is what it is. You know, we play – we got the, the Ron Rivera revenge game this week. So, See what happens Washington. there. <laughs> Might be we some missed opportunities in that game. <laughs> yeah, for real. So, um, <laughs> all right, we'll go into Carolina football. Oh um, my God! I gotta do something real quick right before we get into that. So I'll be right back. All right. <laughs> Alrighty. So, Carolina football, Orange Bowl bound. Let's go. Versus Texas A&M next Saturday. We will be in attendance, so. Yes, sir. Y'all might get some live game coverage if you're careful and be nice to the hosts. We're, we're excited. Um, you know, this year, that's, that's a big deal. You know, college football playoffs wasn't really what we were shooting for this year. You know, it was, you know, just getting better and that's what we did you know um and you know we made it to the biggest bowl game in history so it's exciting um we'll have Big a tough deal. game against texas a&m uh they're they're a really good team um and they're gonna be mad they're gonna be pissed off that they didn't get selected to the college football yeah. playoff but you know their loss is our game because if they get in the playoff then we don't get the lunch ball so yeah <laughs> Luckily, we did, and we did it by way of beating the absolute living doll crap out of Miami. <laughs> that that was fun. probably that was probably the most most fun I've had watching a Carolina football game, probably in my college career. I mean, I 
it just seemed like every time I would look, you know, look at the TV, there'd be another highlight reel play going on. It was just complete obliteration of the Miami secondary. Their linebackers were getting torched by our running backs. I mean, there was nothing we couldn't do on the field at all. Sam was going off. I mean, look at Javante and Michael Carter, both of which should – oh, my God. I would be pissed right now if I – Javante, didn't he get snubbed? Yeah, he got second team all ACC. Should have definitely got first. You know, I feel like when you when you outrush the guy on first team by 400 yards with less carries and you also have seven more touchdowns, that sort of elevates and you. And you're just splitting touches with another back. It's – I. It's just the media bias swinging toward Clemson, and honestly, it doesn't surprise me because everybody who knows and watches the ACC knows that every major outlet wants to literally worship them and kneel down and bow before them because they're the second well, coming or something. But it's it's everything because I mean, um, Javante got snubbed for the Dope Campbell Award too, yeah. the best running back in the nation, and Travis got that over him too. And I, I really don't understand considering. You know the the year he had and what he did this year. Yeah, I'm not know. one to talk down on ETN because last year he was he was up. I mean, he was probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite, running back to watch in the NCAA. But he did not produce at that same level this year or anywhere close to it, to be honest with you. And meanwhile, you have Javante and Michael Carter both just outdoing him. And I mean, props to Michael Carter. I mean, he got the recognition he deserved, but. If I'm Javante right now, I'm pissed. And if I'm not mistaken, he's still playing in the bowl game, right? So that's something that Texas A&M is going to have to look out for because he's going to do everything he can to prove everybody in the nation wrong at this one. Yeah, and uh, that was some big news on the UNC football side. Uh, Michael Carter, De'Ami Brown, and Chad Surratt all opted out yeah. of the Orange Bowl to prepare for the draft. You know, I can't blame the kids. No, um, not even for a second. Ago. A couple years ago, you know, you saw Jalen Smith get hurt in the Notre Dame bowl game, which yep. took him from being a first-round pick to falling in the draft. So, you know, I respect the kids, I mean, you know, go get their money. They've worked their asses they off. For, yeah, they've worked their asses off for the last four years. I mean, three years. They're trying to get paid, and I don't blame them. I mean, if I was in yeah. their shoes, I'd do the exact same. Um, I mean, they've been – pulling in so much revenue for Carolina football for the last however long and haven't gotten the dime of it. They're just trying to get their earnings right back. And, you, I mean, you can't take a risk like that. They're all probably going to be, you know, high up on the draft board. And they've, they've got bright futures ahead of them, good careers. Um, but it, it does suck from a fan standpoint. But one thing I've seen is just, you know, Carolina fans on social media, you know, bashing them for opting out. But, if you're a, I mean, if you're a real Carolina fan, you can't, you can't do anything but be happy for these guys. They gave their heart and soul to the program. And, I mean, to be honest with you, those are three guys that are probably at the forefront of turning Carolina football around. So, you know, all the props to them. Go, go get that money and throw it into alumni donations and recruiting so that our recruiting classes for the next five, ten years are just as stout as they have been these last couple. Yeah, you know, I mean – you, you can't blame them. It's I would be doing the same thing. Yes, the nature. So obviously, obviously it sucks, you know, because those are three of our biggest players. You know, it's going to suck not having them for the ball game. But um, it'll it'll be a good look at what the team will look like next year. Absolutely, you know, the people that have to fill in for them. So 
I'm excited. The, the bowl game is going to be fun. You know, it should be a good game. Um, but, you know, we had six all-ACC selections, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, Sam Howe, which Sam Howe, you know, second year in a row that he's outperformed Trevor Lawrence during the season and still got second team. Um, I don't understand how a individual award continues to include team stats. It, it's, I'm it's, telling it's you, annoying. everybody just wants to – be on Clemson's side. I don't get it, but they'll um, see next but, year when Clemson's losing all their players and Carolina's at the top of the ACC. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. So, Sam Howe, second team. Um, De'Ami Brown, Daz Newsome, Michael Carter made third team is all purpose. Um, and then I think his name's Joshua Izuku, an offensive lineman that made it. I don't know <laughs> He's one of the unsung heroes. Nobody knows his name, but he does more than anybody can realize. Well, he gave up, I think, only four sacks this year. That's and, impressive. Or actually, I think, like, maybe no sacks and barely any pressures. Yeah. So, he was great for us. So, But, you know, next Saturday – or not this Saturday, but next Saturday, you know, we'll be down in Miami – hopefully watching us win an Orange Bowl, which will be a big step, you know, in showing that Carolina football is here to stay. Yeah. And that we're a good program and that we deserve to be talked about. Um, you know, probably not with, you know, not with the Clemsons and Alabamas yet, but with the Floridas and Georgias yeah. um, and all them, because, you know, this team's going to be good for years to come. And yeah, it, it, sure. it's all, it is all Mac Brown. and what Oh, without done. a doubt this program so that was just a quick little synopsis of that yeah it's been a while but can't talk about everything <laughs> um well on the brave side not really not much has happened no no news on azuna yet um everything's sort of still the same so yeah it's pretty really boring much, world in baseball right now not really much to talk about but we can talk about do we have to? Disappointing Carolina basketball. Good God. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a Carolina t- – I mean, last year's team removed, they don't count. They're, they are not a real Carolina team in my eyes because they just completely – I don't even want to talk about it. But I've never seen a Carolina team start games so slow in my life. It's. I mean, we're playing from behind every every single every single game we have, and it's. You know, the NBA is a little different because you've got playmakers at every position almost, but you know, in college, you've only got three or four guys that are really going to be able to perform and um, put up points consistently throughout the game. And when you're playing from behind and you're, you know, you're playing any collegiate level team, they're, they're doing the same thing. And it's hard to come back from a deficit of, you know, double digit points, especially when you're going in the second half and you're coming back, but you, you can't really close the gap fully. Um, yeah. And I mean, that I was our, you know, our eighth game this year starting and going down eight points in the first half. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've seen, good UNC teams you know I've been 
we've been lucky enough to, you know, UNC's really been good every year outside of probably about two or three growing up. Yeah. Um, but this is by far, and our team was bad last year. I'm not, I'm not talking about in terms of how good the actual team is. I'm talking about in terms of, you know. How they play. How they play. This is the worst yeah. three-point shooting team I've ever seen. Oh, my God. And They're bad. I've, I've always been a firm believer. I mean, under, under Roy especially, Carolina has been and probably will be until Roy's tenure is over. They're a team that lives by the three and dies by the three. You know, oh, yeah, definitely. Because, you know, it's, that's what that's what opens up our big man. You know, exactly. To play the way they do. Is, you and, know, spreading the floor. I don't know. What did we what did we shoot tonight from three? Two of twelve. Two so of sixteen percent. I mean, you you're just not you're not gonna win games like that. And I'm not bashing Roy because it's not his fault. Because in in my honest opinion, I think a lot of the threes were taken are poorly judged shots. I mean, you've got a lot of young guys that are taking threes they probably shouldn't be taking that are contested or they're, you know, doing it off a quick dribble move, step back. Um, but we've got four four very talented big guys right now. And then from this point forward, until we can find a stroke from three, we've just got to continue to pound the paint. Because, I mean, almost all our points tonight were from, you know, in the paint or at the free throw line. And, I mean, Caleb Love, he has been vastly disappointing so far this year from what I've seen. R.J. Davis, I'm going to give a little slack to. He plays with a lot more grit. Um, and, I mean, he's he's hit some, you know, clutch shots in a few games down the stretch. Um, Kerwin Walton is not the three-point shooter that I don't think anybody expected him to be at least yet. I mean, if we're, if we're being – completely honest with ourselves the probably the best three-point shooter we have right now and this is going to blow my mind to say it but it is probably Andrew Playtech oh my yeah, goodness you know, it's, right now you know we're, we're young you know starting two freshmen doesn't help I mean we've seen over the last few years in basketball that the sort of you know freshman experience is sort of dying out um, yeah. I mean, you can see it with Duke this year, um, Kentucky this year. I mean, they're one in five right now. Um, it, it's it's sort of dying out, but I, I like Caleb Love. I like him coming out of high school. You know, he's struggling right now offensively. I think he will find a shot. I think RJ yeah. Davis will too. You know, obviously, you know, it takes some time. Um, the the main on, thing I, gotta, I wanted to I, I got to run do something. You continue talking. I'll be back momentarily. <laughs> All right. Well, the the main thing I've I've been wanting to see from Caleb Love was, you know, turning down that assist to turnover ratio. Um, he turned the ball over a lot in our first couple games um, with rarely any assists, you know. But now, over the past few games, he's not, he's turned that down. So that's what I wanted to see from Caleb Love, um, and he's done that. So the shooting will come eventually. Um, it needs to come sooner rather than later because we can't shoot two of 12 in a basketball game, especially from the three-point line, and let the other team shoot 48% because that's just a recipe for disaster. Um, another thing with Carolina basketball this year is our best big, probably our best player on our team is Andrew Bay or Armando Baycott. Um, and that's pretty surprising this year. 
um, just because of the way he played last year. You know, he, he seemed really timid last year. He, he seemed afraid to, you know, go up, attack the basket. But this year, you know, he looks a lot better. He shot seven and nine tonight, 16 points. Um, so that's probably our best player right now. I don't know if you agree. Are you talking about Mondo? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and if you would have told me that last year, I would have called you crazy and told you to leave my house. But um, I don't know if it's them getting off to a slow start this year and already having, you know, three losses in the record. But they just do not look confident on the floor. And you can tell that when they get down and they're losing, you know, even by a little bit early, they're um, – I don't know. Their their attitude just shifts so significantly. They just seem so um, disappointed in the way. And it honestly seems like they're out of it before they even, you know, give it a shot. They get down by double digits in the first half, and they're all just hanging their heads on the sideline. I mean, I saw a couple pictures um, from the game today, and it was literally posted by the Carolina basketball account. And it was, like, locked in for the last six minutes. But it was a picture of Caleb Love and Garrison sitting on the bench listening to Roy, you know, in the huddle, and they're both just sitting there with blank looks on their face, not engaged at all. They just don't look like they're ready to play. Um, and, you know, it, it could be the atmosphere that they're playing into. I know that's probably a huge shift, especially for Carolina, because they're used to playing, in, you know, in front of 20,000 fans every single time they're home or even away. Um, but that's going to have to change really quickly. And if I'm Roy, I'm going to start, you know, benching the players that are acting like that and putting in the players like Kessler and like Playtech that always play with energy and grit, regardless of what the scoreboard shows, um, just to at least, you know, teach those first string guys a lesson and try to show them how they need to play because they're not going to win games playing like that from here on out. Yeah. Um, and I mean, one thing I will say was, you know, last year's team was bad. Um, I, I don't think this year's team comes even close to that. No. Um, I think last year's team, you know, if we get down by 17 in the first half, we lose the game by 35, yeah. 40. Um, but this team, you know, they continue – they do continue to fight back. You know, they get themselves back in the game. But if this team would start off their games, how they play after they get down big, they would blow an NC State team like this out of the water. Absolutely. No doubt. And, you know, they have the talent to. It's just about putting all that together, you know, and – yeah creating a cohesive unit of players on the floor. And one thing I would like to see, you know, maybe next game or something, you know, roll out there with a different starting five. Yeah. Garrison hasn't played good this year. Put Sharp in there. Um, you know, I put – Or Kessler. Put, I mean – Yeah. And put Playtech in, starting at shooting guard. You know, seriously. put freaking um, somebody else in, dude, because, you know, it can't keep – continuing these slow starts and continuing to get down by eight or 10 in the first four minutes of the game. It doesn't even have to be, I mean, you don't have to leave them in there long because guys like Playtech and Sharp, you know, these, these high energy guys that are always chasing loose balls and they're, you know, all over the court doing whatever they can to stop the other team on defense or, um, you know, getting open off ball. Those are the kind of guys that are spark plugs and they're going to, they're going to get the energy high for the guys that are on the bench. And that's when you can pull in those playmakers like Caleb Love and Garrison once their energy's up. But right now they're starting out the game and they're just starting flat-footed. It's, they don't look excited to play. They don't look ready to play. They don't look energized. 
And I mean, this is not, I'm not going to say it's not a good state team because it seems like every year we play state, um, you know, they always play us close. It's, it's a rivalry game and they're never going to let us just, you know, blow them out. But that, I mean, with the talent we have versus the talent they have, that game should not be close statistically. And, you know, looking at the recruiting rankings, um, and the ACC is, you know, it's not going to get any easier. Um, you know, these conference games are about to pick up and the schedule is about to get tough. And if they don't figure it out quick, then we're, I mean, by the, by the end of the year, we're probably going to be looking at something similar to last year. And that's something that a Carolina fan doesn't want. Um, you know, Roy definitely doesn't want that. The program doesn't want that because long-term that's going to impact recruiting and if we don't look like a team that's going to win games, then that's going to hurt us significantly. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, two of those losses are, you know, understandable. I mean, the Texas loss, I mean, they're up to number 10 in the country right now. Um, we lost that game by two, probably should have won that game. Got down big early again. Um, and the Iowa game, I mean, no, I was, I was a great team. Um, they just shot us out of the water. Um, so I'm not mad at those two losses because they're both against good teams, but I am a little upset about this one because there's no reason that we should lose to NC State ever, no matter what. So it is a little annoying, but, you know, conference play, we're here. We're in the ACC. You know, it's going to be tough. So we got to continue to, you know, fight and – just try to get better because that's the only thing you can do. Oh, I don't know where he went. Well, Zachary just got disconnected. So, but either way, UNC plays their next game against Georgia Tech, and that will be next. I don't know what I'm um, So, what is going on? Hopefully, if we lose to Georgia Tech, I'll probably be done. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm giving them a solid, you know, two or, two or three more games to really get things figured out. Um, but it, I mean, if we, if we start to fall below 500 and it doesn't seem like there's really much of a change in the production and the way we're starting games out, then I'm probably going to put Carolina basketball on the back burner, which is tough for me to say, especially right now, since there's nothing else in the world to do. I mean, it, sports are about the only thing that keep me entertained these days, but, um, it just – it's painful to watch, especially with, you know, the talent they have. Um, uh, it, I don't know, man. I'm just – especially after last year, you know, I was excited. I thought this was going to be a real real 180. Um, I mean, Garrison, you had him named preseason player of the year in the ACC, and he's just been a complete flop so far. Uh, you know, the freshmen, especially RJ and Caleb. They've had bright moments, but overall they haven't really, 
you know, showed up the way I expected them to. So until until we can really um, start to show some promise, I'm not going to talk too highly of this Carolina team because they haven't really showed me what I was expecting to see either. Yeah, and an interesting little tidbit, um, Caleb Love has shot 33-pointers this year and made four. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I talked about this a little when you ran off do your thing, but the big thing I was looking to see from Caleb Love was cutting down turnovers um, and dishing out more assists. I mean, he has 26 assists on the year and 25 turnovers, which is not good, especially for a point guard. Yeah, you can't over, over his last few games, you know, he uh, has still – or he's cut that down, but he has a – he has 3.6 turnovers a game. Yeah, I mean, when you're a, supposed to be a floor general and you're – I mean, he I know he's a scoring point guard, but at the end of the day, if you're if you're taking on that point guard job, your your main priority is to, you know, command the ball and find the open man. And it's hard to do that when you're, you know, turning the ball over, you know, every five or six times you go down the court. So – that's, I mean, that's another, we've been turning the ball over like crazy this year. That's another, you know, area we need to improve. Um, and I mean, I think that's probably what kept state in the game tonight is, you know, turnovers. I mean, they were scoring easy, easy buckets on fast breaks in the first half that allowed them to really open up that lead. And, you know, we always want to, you know, come back and fight and close that margin when it, it's too late. And if we would just, you know, start off on the right foot, um, you know, kick off from tip off with, you know, high energy and a lot of um, just poise, then we wouldn't be putting ourselves in these difficult positions and um, losing against teams that really we can't afford to lose to down the stretch. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, it's early. Hopefully stuff will start to turn around. We can see them, you know pick it up but right now it's not looking great but you never know especially with the UNC basketball team they, this yeah. team could you know turn it around and then make a run to the final four yeah absolutely um, I mean the, it it's way too early to count them out um the, I mean I'm, I have no doubt that they're gonna figure it out this team's extremely more talented than the team last year was um I think they've got more leadership as well which is going to be huge um when we get deep into conference play and then when March rolls around and the tournament starts to show itself. But um, it's just tough to see right now because, you know, we don't want to lose the state. I know we're going to be hearing it from state fans for, you know, the next three months probably because anytime they beat us in anything, that's all they cling to. Um, but, yeah, seriously. Um, congrats. You won the first game in Luke May, Luke May arena in what, four years. Um, but and Marcus Page is very uh, I mean, there's so many different. You can you can call it whatever you want to. It ain't even theirs. If any state fan wants to say anything, you know, I mean, in the last 61 games, we've won 49 of them. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's not it's not anything to brag about. It's a rivalry, all. but it's not a rivalry. Um, the, they 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 honestly should consider themselves lucky that they caught us, you know, early in the year like they did. Uh, but, because otherwise, I don't, I don't think we lose that game. Or honest, I mean, 
I really don't even think it's close. I don't think they lead for more than, you know, two or three minutes total. Yeah. But, you know, I can make whatever predictions I want to. At the end of the day, they lost They lost tonight. And um, the box score shows you all, all you really need to know. So. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's probably it for this week. We will be back more regularly. Absolutely. Y'all might get a up. special – Special road trip edition as well um, as we as we head down or head back from the um, bowl game. So just keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, as always, you know if you tune in this podcast, make sure you download Sports Me. Um, you can kind of keep up with all the current trending topics that are going around in the sports world. Um, and if you happen to do that, you know just give us a follow at um, Chop Pound Jump Around. Uh, we like to post a little bit of content here and there about the topics we just discuss on here. So um, make sure you stay engaged with us. And as always, um, you know, we appreciate you listening. And this has been the Chop Hound Jump Around podcast. Thank you, guys.